0: On episode 209 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn the five keys to mastering an explosive forehand.
1: Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Maribond Iranshad.
0: Hey, it's Maribond. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I hope you're doing well and playing a lot of tennis and staying safe as well. I've been playing a decent amount, especially on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays getting in some league play as well as a fun social event near me in Maryland and then playing with some friends. Um, But today I want to talk to you about how you can develop an explosive forehand and I actually did a five-day forehand challenge with a group of Tennis Files fans and it went really well and so if you're interested in Doing that in the future, then just send me an email, or I might actually include a link in the show notes. But if you don't happen to see that link, just email me at mehrban at tennisfiles.com. But I want to go through these five keys. Obviously, you know, strokes are can feel complex, and uh, it's important that we are able to break these down just into some sort of system so that we can then figure out what area we need to concentrate on to improve uh, so that our forehand or or any strokes can become better. And so I've got these five for you to concentrate on. And the first one is the unit turn. And the thing with the unit turn is a lot of people do end up executing this incorrectly, which just sets you up for uh, just not a very technically proficient or efficient stroke. And so it's really, really important that we first concentrate on this unit turn and make sure we get it correct. And so the thing is, um, like I said, people will fail to use their body in an effective manner. A lot of you probably have heard of the kinetic chain, but basically what you want to do is initiate your unit turn with your hips and your shoulders. So those are what's going to be driving the unit turn and not the arms. so I encourage you to take some video of yourself and really try to determine what it is that is initiating that unit turn. Is it your upper body, uh, like your arms, or is it your hips and then your shoulders? So, I mean, if you practice this, you know, simple uh, hip and shoulder turn, you're going to notice that your, your arms are staying pretty stationary, uh, and that's, uh, that's pretty much what we want. So, uh, focus on that hips and shoulder turn and then um, staying, keeping your upper body relaxed and then loading most of your weight on the back leg and hips. And that's really important too, you know, so you've got the hip and shoulder turn and then the loading on the back leg. And that is because you are going to then use all that energy that you've stored in the back, uh, the back leg to then uncoil And, um, so, so one drill that you'd, you'd want to do, as I kind of just mentioned is put your hands on your hips and then, um, turn your, so you kind of pretend that you're in like a a forehand stance, right? And like, you're going to do a unit turn. So place your, uh, your feet, you know, apart in the same distance that you would for a forehand. And then you simply want to just feel that hips and shoulder rotation and then load into the back leg and your back leg can be kind of turned a bit uh, outward to promote that, uh, that rotation. So definitely do that and then after that you can grab a racket and then practice the same sort of um, rotation into the back leg. So once we get that unit turn correct, then we want to go to the uncoiling and i'll just step back for a second and say that you know that this is applicable to pretty much any grip uh so you might have questions about the grip but you can really uh, have a powerful forehand with an eastern grip a semi western a western as long as it's in that acceptable range you'll be fine so now onto the uncoiling and with the uncoiling you know you first Want to make sure that you let the racket drop on its own to keep your your upper body relaxed. And so um, you know, if you if you want have a question about you know the backswing, like how to take it back, uh, it's it's much better if you um, keep the the racket head uh, in an up upright position, like you'll see most of the the players have. I mean, some do take it straight down, but the beauty of taking it straight. Uh, taking it back uh, with the, the grip upright is that your wrist is going to be more relaxed and then you can let gravity drop the racket on its own. So then for the actual uncoiling part of the stroke is you want to again lead with your hips and shoulders. And so this is another problem and even something that I did on my backhand is I was properly loading But then on the uncoiling, I would actually uh, let my arms lead or I would initially uh, rotate with my hips and shoulders, but then my arms would overtake them. And so you do want to have that feeling of letting the hips and shoulders lead. And the beauty of that is that that's what creates uh, the racket lag so that, you know, that forces you to, to then accelerate into this shot at the very last moment, and it'll give you as much power as possible. And so as I said, uh, just use your, or or use your uh, hips and shoulders to lead that uncoiling of the body, and you wanna make sure your upper body is relaxed. And then the third really important part of the forehand is the contact point, and this'll kind of vary depending on the grips. So. if you have an eastern grip, then your contact point is going to be lower, uh, maybe around the hips or so, than it would be with the semi-western. And, and then the western usually likes a higher contact point uh, than both of those grips. But the contact point, you want to make it as consistent as possible and in the optimal place as possible. Um, because if you think about it, the more variability you have uh, from that point, uh, it's it's gonna make for a much tougher shot. You know, if you're hitting the ball right by your ankles uh, quite a bit uh, or excessively high, then you're not gonna necessarily have such a great and powerful shot. So that's really what you want to do to your opponents is make them hit strokes, uh, hit shots that are in an uncomfortable contact point. Like for example, when we're trying to hit heavy high balls to the one hand and backhand um, because that is a an uncomfortable contact point and then B uh, you know a lot you need a um, really good technique and and some strength to be able to execute a high one-handed backhand. So um, try to use your footwork to get yourself to hit the ball an ideal and consistent contact point. and you really find even by just making that one adjustment that you will, be hitting much more powerful forehands and, and ground strokes in general and uh, volleys as well. Then the next place to concentrate on would be the finish. And this is where a lot of amateur players go wrong as well, is not having that full finish on their stroke. Uh, the players will often stop the racket at some point uh, before a natural finish, but You know, with the finish, the key to that is to, uh, I mean, the purpose of it is to naturally decelerate your racket. So you're effectively unnaturally stopping the swing. So that's going to be bad for your body as well as the finished product of your stroke. So uh, a very simple drill is to catch the racket when you hit the forehand. So force yourself to catch that racket at the end. And uh, that will produce a full-length swing as well as a much bigger and more powerful forehand. So just let it happen naturally and catch the racket. And, you know, there can be some variability, again, in, your, in exactly where you catch the racket. So kind of just find out for yourself um, what that natural place should be, whether that's, you know, right by the opposite shoulder or is it a little bit lower or higher. Uh, and then just just consistently catch the racket. I think if you watch team uh, hit forehands in practice, he'll consistently be catching the racket, at least the videos that I've seen of him. So uh, that's some good inspiration
1: to use for you.
0: And then the fifth key is your footwork or this, your stances. And you need to re- use the right footwork for your objective. Uh, you know, the main stances that we often see are the open stance, uh, the semi open stance, and the neutral stance. So a lot of people, myself included, use the open stance. But sometimes it's better for us to use the neutral stance uh, because in the neutral stance, we're often. Uh, stepping forward, that uh, that neutral sense allows us to step forward and attack the ball, which is what you want with short balls and, you know, any shots that you have time to set up and and attack. And I remember talking with Emilio Sanchez on the podcast, uh, might've been like a year ago, around the 130s or 20s or something like that episode wise. And he was saying that too many players just stand and wait around and then get into an open stance and hit the ball when, in reality, what you should be doing is moving up and attacking the ball with a uh, with a neutral stance and then stepping into the ball. So just keep that in mind. But obviously, you know, if you're in a in a rally, uh, fast paced rally where you're not really able to attack too much, then you can be using the semi open stance, which I do use a lot. And then, of course, if you need to uh, chase for a wide ball, then you're going to need to use that. Open stance, uh, or say if you're hitting a a runaround forehand, inside-out forehand, then you probably do want to use that semi-open or open stance. So just try to uh, use the right footwork for you. But uh, you you do just want to keep in mind, you know, which of these stances should you should be using in the appropriate situation. And of course, you know, you need intense and proper footwork to be able to. Um, to get in position to hit a more powerful stroke, and you do also want to avoid using too many small steps, because really the the goal of getting of, of footwork is to get to the ball in as few steps as possible. So uh, most of the time, especially if you're a you know a high level player, you and you move well, you should be able to pretty much use like no adjustment steps, or maybe a you know a couple like one or two, but Definitely when trying to get to the ball, as few steps as possible and, and keep that in mind. And then if really needed, or it's like a windy day or something, then use those adjustment steps. So, um, those are the five areas that you want to focus on. Obviously this podcast episode is a lot shorter than last week's with Claudio Pistolese, which you should definitely check out a lot of really great nuggets in that one. Uh, that was like two hours. This one, I don't know, you know. 20, 30 minutes or something. But I just want to recap the steps and then give you a couple other tips here. So uh, the five areas to focus on for an explosive forehand are the unit turn, uh, the uncoiling, and then subsequent acceleration, the contact point, the finish, and then using the appropriate stances and intensity of footwork. Uh, So a couple of drills that you'd want to use to even increase your power on your forehand even more is first off, visualizing that you have to hit three balls because one of the biggest mistakes is just brushing up excessively uh, upwards because then that'll just give you a ton of topspin but then no length on the ball and no power. So you do have to kind of find that range that works really well for you. And so if you have to actually hit through three balls, or at least imagine you're hitting through three balls, that is going to definitely make you hit with more power and pop. And then you do want to also just practice uh, accelerating your racket as, as fast as you can. And, you know, you can do something like put a plastic bag on your racket and tie it, the racket head, and then swing as fast as you can, or even without the bag as well. Uh, And I used to always, or also use like this donut type of thing that you could, uh, not a real donut, Mm. (laughs) I try to, I don't think I've had a donut for a while, but uh, one of those where you actually like clip it on, on your, your racket, and then you swing. And then if you take it off, you're going to find that you're uh, swinging a lot faster. So, and then you also should um, be practicing for depth as well. Uh, So just as simple as targeting the last few feet of the baseline or just putting some sort of um, rope or something to uh, separate, you know, the last few feet of the baseline, if if that helps. And yeah, those are pretty much the the power acceleration drills that you'd want to try out. So I hope this helped. I hope that it just uh, jogged your mind on how to kind of segment the forehand in terms of the unit turn, uncoiling, and acceleration, the contact point, the finish, and then the footwork slash stances, and to try to pinpoint which one you need to work on first. But I definitely, uh, if you're not sure, go step by step from the beginning and make sure that you have each one nailed down. So if you do want to Uh, Join that Forehand Power Challenge in the future. Then just send me an email uh, at mehrban at tennisfiles.com or check out the show notes for a link. Uh, I'll try to put one up, but if I don't, email me. And I would also really appreciate it if you got value from this podcast episode to subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast. Just hit the subscribe button on your podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. and. I want to leave you with a quote as well. I do not know the author of this quote, but this person said, "Stop beating yourself up. We are all a work in progress." And this is a great quote um, because I know as tennis players and perfectionists and competitors, we often do beat ourselves up for not winning or not performing as well as we could. Uh, I was actually reading some some content on Roger Federer recently and I'll tell you more about that in the the coming weeks. Uh, got a really exciting interview for you. Uh, soon, kind of related to that, but uh, he was always a hothead as when, when he was a junior player, and so he obviously learned to uh, go away from that, to accept that you're going to fail uh, sometimes, you're not going to be perfect all the time, and to just keep that mindset of improving and uh, fulfilling your potential. So Again, thank you so much for listening. And I've got some really great interviews coming up that I'm excited to, to do. I believe I'm recording a couple uh, this Saturday and we'll release those very soon. So I look forward to providing you some more great content that way. All right, well, have a great one. Play a lot of tennis, keep improving, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Take care.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.